Welcome to Two Marks and a Mike Podcast. I'm Phil. And I'm Joe. Today we're going to be talking about the enigma that is Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, probably, without a doubt, one of the most cerebral wrestlers to ever exist. His promos were very prolific, um, very cryptic in some cases. You never know who you really got when it comes to Jake. If it was a work or if it was a shoot. Yeah, and yeah, his promos were just un on a whole nother level and i mean he really just it brought the whole dark persona to his character he went all in on it he did and i mean his understanding of psychology and i think if i'm not mistaken he got his name the snake from a football player I forget what team hmm. but he said when he got into the ring you know he wanted to emulate a snake he wanted to slither into the ring and actually he comes from a wrestling family his sister is rock and robin he has a brother yeah. mike smith mike smith michael smith yeah. and now rock and robin did have a decent career in the early wwf right early uh, wrestlemania like yeah. wrestlemania one maybe something like that Vince was very impressed by her. He's like, she throws a punch like a man. So she she had the women's strap for a while, and then he phased out the women's wrestling because it just didn't have a place for it at the time. Yep. But anyways, back to Jake. Um, he started off in 1974. Back then, they still had territories. So he started off in like your Mid-South, your Mid-Atlantics, your Georgia Championship Wrestlings. He was a Southern guy because he was uh, raised in Texas. So he wrestled with uh, the Von Erichs, Dick Slater, Ricky Steamboat, he has a laundry list of wrestlers that he has wrestled against and with. Yeah, I mean, Jake Roberts, one of my most notable feuds with him, and it just always comes to mind where I, I believe it was uh, when him and Rick Martell, when Rick Martell sprayed him in the face with the arrogance, mm -hmm. and then he yeah. was blind to one eye. Yeah, sure. the hood match. WrestleMania yeah. 6? I don't remember which one. Yeah, I think it was might have been 6, 6 or 7. So that was, and Rick Martell with that, that whole model angle that he did was, was excellent, especially he had that arrogance cologne and was just. <laughs> but I mean, he's had uh, the Honky Tonk Man feud was really good because uh, I remember there was an episode of the Snake Pit where Honky came out. Excuse me, Honky Tonk Man came out. Can't say Honky anymore. Honky Tonk Man came out with um with his guitar and he cracked Jake over the head with it. Well. Back then, those guitars weren't like the Jeff Jarrett guitars of the 90s. Sure, where it just this was, this was a real guitar, and when he hit Jake with it, he cracked two vertebrae in Jake's neck. Mm. He worked through it for a while, but he had to have surgery, and I think that was, I don't know if that's necessarily the beginning of his problems with his sure. health, but, you know, I mean, the guy probably smoked 17 packs of cigarettes. Yeah, that was insane. I remember, you know, when watching the original Dark Side of the Rain back in the day with him, and the amount of he just smoked, but that's neither here or there. Um, on feuds with him too, I will never forget Earthquake killing Damien by giving him. Do you yeah. know what was actually in the sack when they killed no, it? It was, no. it was hamburger meat and Shut a little, up. yeah, and a little motorized thing to make to give the bag movement. Oh no! And do, you, <laughs> and do you remember when Earthquake and he was it was on primetime wrestling? He it made was, some it, sort of burgers, right? It was burgers. it was Lord Alfred Hayes and Gorilla Monsoon, yep. and they go, "What are we eating?" And, and Quake goes. Snake burgers. <laughs> Alfred Hayes, he just spit it out all over the place. That snake was Damien. And then... Yeah, Lucifer. Lucifer after, after yeah. which was a bigger, like, reticulating python. Yeah. Or a Burmese python, one of the two. I, I hate snakes, so I don't know. Same. So, and then he feuded with Andre the Giant, where he had the kayfabe, the heart attack. Mm-hmm. You know, Andre could sell stuff pretty well. You know, I, I yeah. I, that popped up into my brain a little bit, because I don't technically remember the whole angle. I know that uh, when he turned face... The, the crowd loved him. Oh, yeah. But I don't think you could ever find a better heel, though. I agree. And I think that 
Jake Roberts was perfect first heel for Undertaker's babyface switch. Because, uh, you know, I remember where they had that turn was when Jake Roberts was behind the curtain about to hit Elizabeth and Macho with a, with a chair and then Undertaker stopped them. It was right after WrestleMania 7. Mm. And they had done the, the, the snake and the gifts of the kayfabe wedding of Macho. Oh, and yeah, Elizabeth. that's right. That, you know, when he got bit with the snake. Exactly, his... yeah. The, the funny story is um, Jake was on Joe Rogan, and he was saying that Macho, he didn't believe the snake was divinized, so he, in his paranoia, uh, asked Jake to make the snake bite him. So uh-huh. Jake yanked down his pants and have him bit him on the thigh. And, and then, so, and then periodically, Savage would come in and take a look and see if he was any effects or not. Right. That angle was definitely cool and different mm-hmm. with the, the whole cobra biting him while he's on, you know, tied up in the ropes and all that stuff. And, um, and another side of it too, going, I remember seeing an interview with Jake and he would say that before that angle to rile the snake up, they like shake the bag and stuff and really piss the snake off. So mm-hmm. <laughs> he got it. That particular incident when he made the snake bite mm-hmm. Macho, he said he, he slapped the ever living crap out of it to make it extra mad. Yeah. So he knew it would bite the hell out of Randy Savage. And it did like twice, right? <laughs> you could tell it didn't want to bite him. In your face feud that Jake had was with Rick Rude. Mm. Um it was kind of risque because it was Rick was talking about, you know, doing explicit acts with Jake's wife yeah. and Put his, her face on his tights. Yes, and then you know, he would gyrate the hips. And yeah. there was even one one time when he ran down to the ring and ripped the tights off of, of Rude, who was allegedly naked underneath, and they blurred out his junk region. And <laughs> and um, he's running back to the to the dressing room. You know, it, it was a great feud, but a lot of people may not realize nowadays about feuds. They lasted an incredibly long time. Oh yeah, because you could get you could almost get a year. Out of somebody getting hit with a, with a steel chair. Because the TV time was so much limited, too, yeah. back then. I mean, you had maybe, how many hours of TV time do you think you had? I mean, then? you had, like, you, back then you had, you know, the Superstars Wrestling Challenge, whatever, hour on the weekends. Every right. once in a while, you get hit with a Saturday main event. But then it was four pay-per-views a year. Yeah, that's it. And then primetime wrestling later on down the road. That's all you had. You know, mm-hmm. There was no no such thing as oversaturation because Vince was still doing his conquering the world of cable and stuff. During this time, but it was coming. Yeah, but it just took took a while. Oh yeah. Uh, so Million Dollar Man was another feud that he had mm. where he. Uh, I remember that's the angle that they let him go and get his neck fixed. Oh yeah. Because remember remember that episode where he was stuffing the hundred dollar bills in mm. Jake's mouth and they yeah. said that he was that he needed throat surgery or whatever and that was when he went and got his neck fixed and then and what uh, one notable feud too that we were talking about with Bad News Brown kind of went into uh, SummerSlam 1990 and I don't remember the super particulars of it but I just remember it was the uh, New York Sewer Rat first uh, Python match I think that's just the angle they were going with filler match before Hogan I remember him having a some sort of cage, but it was covered. And yeah, he had, and he had a hunk of meat that he put in there, and when he pulled yeah. it out. It was it was like a, it was bone. And I'm like, but unfortunately, Bad News Brown is no longer with us. He died in 2007. An underrated wrestler too, I yeah. believe. You well, know, yeah. Apparently, he had a, a pretty good history as a judo uh, fighter in in the Olympics and stuff. So, mm. you know, he died in uh, Canada in 2007. Moving on. Speaking of Hulk Hogan, there was actually an abandoned angle with Jake and Hogan because the Jake was so over with the fans that when he came out and he DDT'd Hogan, the fans cheered. And Vince is like, wait a minute, yeah. we can't, no, 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 we can't be doing that. Yeah. So he nixed the angle and Jake went on record thanking the fans for uh, killing the angle that would have made him the most money. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, he's not wrong, right? I mean, you know, back in the day, if you were doing a program with Hogan, you were making money. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, he was a top draw at the time, and, and that was that. And there's just no other way around it. You know, he was the biggest star of the 80s and early 90s of professional wrestling. As everybody knows, Jake's finisher was the notorious DDT, which has been named the coolest move ever. Just because it's so simplistic. Yeah. You know, it's just grabbing somebody's head and dropping them. But now, nowadays, it's probably done on the way to the ring on the ramp. Yeah. I've just lost art. Just like the super kick now. I think everybody's super kicking everybody. Exactly. And, and that's the thing is like when you, somebody else's finisher in a match, it makes their finisher look weak. Mm. So, you know, when you're doing a DDT as just a regular move, really takes away from somebody else. It loses the cell value, in a sense. Yeah, and it also really takes away from somebody else's character. Sure. But, no, I mean, Jake the Snake was, you know, very prolific, uh, but he also had some demons. I don't recommend it, but if you're bored, watch Beyond the Mat. It was a a documentary about professional wrestling. He went to WCW, ECW, WWF, slash E. And Jake was basically wrestling at state fairs and not... Yeah. Yeah. Pretty rock bottom. Not doing too well. There's a part of the movie where him and his father, uh, Grizzly Smith, were hanging out together. And if anybody knows anything about Grizzly Smith, they know that him and his children did not have the best of relationships. Uh-huh. I'm not, we're not going to get into that here, but if you want to watch the dark side of the ring uh, episode, uh, the shadow of Grizzly Smith is very eye opening about the life of Jake, the snake Roberts and his siblings. Uh-huh. But as you, as you and I talked about it while we were getting everything set up for the show with Jake's demons, he has found redemption with DDP. Oh yeah. And they just do a great, you know, it's well documented his journey from start to finish. And I mean, he was all in with DDP and, and he shows that he trusted him. He trusted DDP. And at that time, you know, I think he was not to segue it, but he was always don't trust anybody. That was always his persona and his phrase when he was heel so that was a big, big move for him to trust the process. Yeah, and I think just because of his childhood and the trauma that that was there, it probably made it incredibly hard to trust people. And this is just the the truth of the matter is is that abuse, no matter what type, can really mess people up. And if you're listening to this and if you need help, seek it out. Don't wait. Call the cops. Do what you got to do. Yeah, absolutely. At a, a higher point, you know, because you had Jake had his absence or hiatus. In between uh, his time going in from WrestleMania 8 to King of the Ring time where he kind of started coming back uh, with the whole, you know, Austin and 316, King of the Ring 96. Right. Um, And I thought that was good for him. I thought it was a good confidence booster Mm -hmm. for him to say, you know, they're not washed up because people generally believe like, hey, you you can do this. You can win this. You can still go. And it's like, uh, and of course, you know, the... I, you know, I, he's not the pivotal point of Austin 316, but as we mentioned in the King of the Ring 96 episode, if it wasn't for Jake with his, his religion at that point, uh-huh. you know, Austin probably wouldn't have done, you pat your Psalms, you talk about John 316, well, Austin 316 says, uh, so yeah. it's, you know, everything came full circle with that, and it was really cool. Um, and then he came back, uh-huh. that's when Orton and uh, Undertaker had their match, and he showed up on the highlight reel. And, you know, that's when uh, he was doing his legend killer. Right, yeah. And he was in a RKO Jake. And pretty much every other legend. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, time. <laughs> I really, and here's the thing is, I really hope, and I'm sure he does, but I really hope that Orton knows what those guys gave him. Yeah. It was like Taker when he, when he tossed Dusty Rhodes. 
over the top at a battle royal. And he first thing he did when he went back, he he shook Dusty's hand and said, "Thank you, sir." Yeah. So, but speaking of talkers, like we mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, that Jake is probably one of the most prolific talkers. Like I know going back to that 1999 movie, Beyond the Mat, they spoke when they spoke to Vince and they spoke to Paul Heyman. Mm. Um, Paul Heyman was like. If there was ever a guy that had it, it was Jake Roberts. Mm. Yeah, they just knew the whole psychology. And Vince was like, you never knew who you were talking to when you were talking to Jake. Mm. Just, you just, he was, you never knew if you were talking to Jake the Snake. You just didn't know. After he finished his runs with WWE, he went to WCW for a little bit. And I don't know if you remember this match or not. Can't get it out of my brain. It was a Halloween Havoc. It was him and Sting. And they had a match. They had this thing. It was spin the wheel, make the deal. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And it was a coal miner's glove match. And it could have. <laughs> there couldn't have been a worse match for this thing to, to land on. Familiar with a coal miner's glove or not, but... It's just a leather work glove with a hunk of metal around the knuckles. Uh, it's K. I don't, know if, I don't know if it's a real glove or if it's a kayfabe thing. Or sure. Uh, this match for two guys could go. The match didn't go as well as it should have. Mm. I don't know if it was just because there was lack of communication or what, but it just it didn't it didn't translate well. On the a lot of things weren't translating well at that time during WCW. No, they were not. <laughs> You're completely right. WCW was so lackluster back then. And it was just, I mean, there was nothing. I mean, you know, you had Cactus Jack there at that time. And so that was cool. But Sting, it's hard not to like Sting because he's just a good wrestler. I think I think he was one of the few wrestlers that never went heel. And then now they touched it and they said that uh, Jake did some ECW stuff. But him and Dreamer, they they tag team together. Yeah, briefly. And I do remember his role in AEW. He is a manager. Probably just like a, a matchmaker. I mean, I'm sure we're missing a bunch of stuff for, for Jake. Uh, it's not out of disrespect. We like to keep these short. Yeah, we just, you know, highlight one of just our, our favorites that maybe, you know, didn't get the spotlight back in the day. And just I truly believe that me personally, Jake the Snake Roberts as a kid, one of my favorite wrestlers. Yeah, I mean, without Easily. a doubt, mine too. Even if he was a bad guy or whatever you want to call it. I just love the character. Me, me too. And so just to give a little bit of his accomplishments, he, in WWE, his Hall of Fame in 2014. But in other places, he was in Stampede, which was Stu Hart's uh-huh. uh, wrestling in Canada. He was their, their North American heavyweight champion. He was uh, the world-class championship wrestling. He was a six-man tag champion there with him and Chris Adams and Gino Hernandez. Uh, he was in Smoky Mountain. He was their heavyweight champion. He's in the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Museum, class of 2020, Pro Illustrated Wrestler, Inspirational Wrestler of the Year in 96. Now, do you think because of that whole abandoned Hogan angle that prevented him from even getting an IC strap? I mean, because you would think, you like, Warrior got this IC strap, so I mean, it's not like he was any less of a threat to Warrior than well, Hogan. No, he wasn't, but I, I don't know. I mean, because, you know, in all honesty, I, I hold Jake in the same esteem that I hold The Undertaker. Mm. I think those guys didn't need a strap. They they had their character so well created. I agree. I agree a thousand percent. In a sense, too, to be fair, and I, I don't know Jake in that time or whatever, but who knows if he even cared that much about it. He could have just been a payday, you know? Right. So, yeah. Wherever his mindset was at that time, I don't know. Cocaine. Man, I, That's what he said. Yeah. He said cocaine. No, he said that, you know, back then, he... The main reason that he got into wrestling was to irritate his father because he yeah. said, "Yeah, I do remember that now." On if you if DVD. you watched, yeah, if, if you watch that Dark Side of the Ring, which those guys they do a phenomenal job on every season. Those guys do. I don't know their names off the top of my head, but they do such a phenomenal job on that show. He got into wrestling to. He said, "I think his his terminology was to stick it in and break it off on my dad." Yeah. 
And uh, there was actually a couple of places that he worked that his father got him fired from. Because apparently Grizzly Smith had a lot of pull and a lot of influence. So, which he died... I remember when of Alzheimer's. But I don't know you know what else we could talk about as far as Jake is concerned. His career speaks for itself. Definitely got a second chance with DDP. And, you know, I haven't watched The Resurrection of Jake the Snake yet, but... And, well, and the cool thing about the... Um, is that then after he did his, you know, program with DDP and got his life, you know, to where it is now today, paid it forward and got Scott Hall in there and got Scott Hall into the DDP camp. And that was a really cool thing to watch too. Yeah. Um, I I thought Scott Hall was going to die. Yeah. And then Jake too. I mean, Jake, I know he still has a lot of health problems, but think of how many guys from that era are not here today. A lot. Probably one of the things that helped Jake was the fact he never did steroids. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's somebody, a great character. Exactly. Somebody referred to him as the Keith Richards of wrestling. It's not, yeah. a, it's not an inaccurate statement for sure. So, all right. Well, I get the feeling that's going to wrap this up. Uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Yeah.